Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. You know, we talk so much about emotional sobriety being that we wake up and, and live each day to be the best version of ourselves that we can be, which is to live as congruently as, as we can possibly to our to our uh, value system. But, you know, it, and I'm not talking about the value system that just everybody shares, cult, you know, don't kill anybody for no good reason, that kind of thing. I'm talking about more more personal value systems, things that matter to us the most and how we how what matters and how. I always think like we, you know, we don't know until we get uh, get into recovery a lot of times that we actually have a, a choice about the sources of our self-esteem. I think of it as I tell people it's like food groups. It's like like, you know, it's, it's I I mean, I, I use the example all the time that early in my career in, in when I was when I had had when I had jobs, um, I was always I was always in trouble because I, I, I apparently just did not know how to write a case note. I was horrible at it. I was, you know, I just I, either I didn't get them done, or if I did get them done, they were not written the, the way they were supposed to be, and you know, and I, and it really, it really freaked me out a lot, and I was, I was having a hard trouble, and but in therapy during that time, it, I, I, my therapist helped me get to the place where I realized, you know, do you care if you write, you know, uh, good clinical notes in in a, in a hospital setting? It's like we weren't talking about my writing, what the other writing I was doing is like going like, you know, and the truth is, no, I didn't care. I, I didn't like getting in trouble and I didn't want to lose my job. But the idea and so that began me thinking in terms of the fact that how many things do we actually um uh, what kind of unconscious value system do we have? And, and that, and it really leads us to the place where one of the values that most of us have in our codependent world is, you know, uh, other people need, need to think a particular way about me. Other people need to like me. Uh, other people need to understand me. Uh, this has it just exactly like, like you, you read at the very beginning of our Thursday meeting. If, if, if what Bill wrote about, if if it's not if it's not exactly what I need it to be, then I'm not okay, you know. And we, people don't think of that as value system, but it, but it is. It's 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 what you're. It's how you're measuring yourself in the course of of day to day stuff. Whereas when we get to con be conscious about our value system, the truth is, it's not like we go and find our other our our chosen value system intact. I think we kind of most of us. I certainly did have to put it together. You know, build it from the ground up. No, I'm right on. I, I think that this like what is matters. Yeah, well, it's 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 look, you know, I was thinking as you were sharing this, the way that it's that it came to my mind was that different parts of us have different values. Yep. Yep. And in in maybe we can think about it that is being rooted, you know, in that false self, right? Is that when we were anxious that we were not going to be loved or accepted as we mm -hmm. were. You know, we we started to come up with some ideas about who we had to be to be okay, right? That kind of a right, thing. Right, right, And and that, you know, out of that, you know, what some people have called the engineered self, the false self, the imperial mm -hmm. self, whatever you label it, out of that self comes a lot of different parts that are pushed into the foreground, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, you know, right. you and I have talked about. The myth of singularity you're not just one self right, there's a right, lot right. of different components that make up alan that make up tom mm -hmm, mm -hmm. component parts right self parts mm -hmm, right right and but what the false self says is some of these are more essential than others 
mm-hmm. essentially is what it says. Some of these you have to have. Other ones, you don't want anybody to know you have them. <laughs> I mean, right. you got to hide them. I mean, you've got to you got to disown them. You've got to you got to put them away in a closet somewhere. Never mm-hmm. open up that closet. Right. That kind of right. thing skeleton right. in the closet. So it's very interesting to start think about each of these parts are driven and motivated by different needs and values. Mm-hmm. Like the part of you, what you were saying, if there's a part of me that that thinks I've got to be liked by everyone to be okay, mm-hmm. then what becomes important? My ability to be able to anticipate and be aware of what your needs are. Mm-hmm. So that value being, you know, willing to to meet other people's needs and become aware of them becomes such an important driving force. Mm-hmm. You know, you just said something, for, for two things. What, one is um, what you've added immediately here is is just to bring in the, 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 the false self, because that's a very, just in terms of communication, that's a very clear way of say, it clears up what I was describing at the beginning. It's like, there's, we're, you know, we're, we're striving to become, to find and become our authentic self. And that's the, that's the ultimate value. That's the one. And the authentic self is going to be somebody who, who is going to be part of me that, that respects my multiplicity. The opposite of the false self is the authentic self. Yes. And for the authentic self, I'm concerned with all of me, not just parts of me. Right. right? It's right. a real commitment to my integrity. Think of integrity as wholeness, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean that all the parts of me automatically come together? No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm my authentic self, sometimes I will still be struggling with one part of me wants this and another part of me wants that. Right. And and but I struggle with that authentically. See, that's I mm-hmm. think what we're saying is, is that mm-hmm. we bring all of us, you know, the way that that, that Dr. Kempler described therapy at one point, and I think not just therapy, but really the the goal in our development towards greater and greater wholeness right Mm -hmm. is to be able to develop what he called personal language and personal language was my ability to find the words that most accurately reflect me at any given moment and to be able to also find the courage to say them yes that's beautiful isn't it a great way of saying it? Yeah. To yeah. find the words that accurately reflect where I am. Well, look, if there's a part of me that says, I'm not supposed to feel that way or want that, mm-hmm. then what am I going to do? I'm going to censor that. Right, right, right. You see, yeah, because... Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Because uh, yeah, what you're what you're also bringing bringing to to the light, and that's uh, uh, that fits here, is that we're that what we're doing is we're bringing what has been for us before we get into personal growth, you know, efforts and whether it be in groups or in therapy or whatever, it's it's like um, we're 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 shining that light of awareness on this stuff. So we yeah. we're bringing it to conscious awareness. So the, the, one of the difference between the authentic self and the in the uh, the, the false self is the authentic self 
is not does not have shame about about the multiplicity because it's no, it's normal but we don't but actually when we're we, you know and and we're different days different we're you know some days are better than others but but we don't have shame from that authentic self we don't have shame that we have we have personal conflicts within us so 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 we then can consciously open up to ourselves and acknowledge I have this I have this thing that is I'm, I don't know I've got it's almost like two parts of me are, are kind of battling with each other or and it also the, the, without shame it makes it possible and likely that if I need extra help I don't mind telling you Patrick or somebody else about it and get get some help for it instead of because obviously what the what the what the when the when the false self is saying oh we can't let anybody know this stuff you know that's those those become the secrets you know that that are referred to you know in the program when they say we're only as sick as our secrets yeah, those se those secrets those secrets are dangerous hiding under the bridge of the bottle of vodka is a part of me that i've been able to discount or um i've been able to you know, to, to wrestle with that and kind of put it in its place where I'm in the uh, thick of it is inner voices that I have. There's our, our wants that I have that I still do not feel comfortable voicing. And I think that my discomfort with voicing them um, and kind of pushing them down rather than, you know, letting the multiplicity have its day, like you guys have been saying, I, I think that that mm -hmm. I still struggle with that. And, and it, it, you know, manifests in problems that I'm still yeah. Well, but this brings up a really good point that that I make with clients quite often is that that this is about how we can be you know you know we can we use other people for role models we learn from other people but we actually when we when we understand that that in some ways we we are better than others and that in some ways we're still struggling we're still working on that we we really can look inwardly and find that there is there is a way that we can be our own role model so when you say I really I do I I do feel like I'm practicing that you know, I don't hear overconfidence in that. I just hear you describing that it's a it's a part of the practice, and you're and you feel successful with that about about differentiating yourself from from the addiction. And you know, and that and that's all. That's really all we're talking about. You're talking about differentiating yourself and and being sure that that the, you're the decision maker, not the not the addiction. So you're not so you're in relationship with it, not possessed by it. And so when you look at emotional sobriety in the ways that you feel like you're not quite doing that yet, look to you can you look to it. Look, I don't mean don't look outside, but but look to yourself too and realize, okay, how how can how can I do this more like I do my addiction recovery? Because it really is this it's, it, it it can be more complex depending on the context and the content, but but um but it's it's the same it's the same system. You know, just it's putting us in charge. We're not in control. You know, I always I repeat that all the time. We don't we're not in control of much, but we're we're fully in charge of 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 you know we're we don't we don't we don't we're we're not in charge of we don't control what cards are dealt us, but but we we're all trying to be better card players. Yeah. You know, and what's what you how you play the cards is how is 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 what is whether or not you're going to do well. You know. The way I, the best way I can play cards on a lot of days is just mm -hmm. uh, not doing anything egregious. You know, I, I often can't figure out what the next positive step is, but I can know mm -hmm. to not take the negative step. That's kind of. That's good. My reme remedial <laughs> place that I'm at right well, now. Well, I, I mean, if you're if you're if you're anything like I, as impulsive as I was, I mean, it's like that's quite a lot. I mean, just you know, when in doubt, don't. I, actually, I gave I gave a I gave a client a, a, a I give little index cards out little, little little things like that, and I and 
on one side it said when in doubt don't and it, and it turned you turn it over and it says no really don't you know and, it's, <laughs> it, and, and she she lost the car at one point she she came back to me and said said i need you i need another car and i go well you can ride it and she says no no i need you to ride it <laughs> hey, wait, can, can i ask a question um huh? your value system as it exists now or you know you put it together over a number of years like and mm-hmm. and you know you can talk about yourselves or like your experiences with other people you work with, but like, is it more a matter of recovering something that you lost? Like, you know, these were always your values, but before the addiction or whatever the ism is took hold, you know, you kind of like got led astray or is it something you've, that you've had to like invent whole cloth, you know? Well, I, I, I think there's a middle place with that. It's like, I yeah. think I just, I, I, I think I've just, I, I do believe that there's there's always been an authentic me, no matter what. It's like in in my sickest, most pathetic condition. I mean, I what I say is is you know in this way, I I am totally different than I was back then, and, and yet there's a part of me that's always been there. But I I don't think I was aware of what those were. I don't I was not conscious of of them, and I was, and I certainly did not have a, a any kind of conscious way of putting things or thinking it was my job to put things into practice. So I think that, that that's, you know, so I think what I've discovered through the recovery is, is basically with sharing with others and listening to others is, is a way of, of discovering what my value system is, but actually you'll know because you try certain things on. I mean, that's one of the things that'll happen. We see that all the time when, when we teach this, when we teach this basic dip, differentiation. I mean, Alan, I bet you see this all the time, but I do that stuff with the eating disorder and it's like, it's like people go like, oh, wow, this is, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like brand new stuff. It's like, and it's just, all it is, is you're in a relationship with your eating disorder. You're not your eating disorder. And why, why do people respond that way? Because it fits because we're not, not because we convinced them of something and, and we're, and we're talking them into something, but because we've come up with a model in which that makes sense. That feels right. And so I think the more we talk about this stuff, what we do is we just, we ask, and we ask people all the time, you know, one of the, one of, you know, one of the things I actually remember from, from graduate school, you know, is ask people, you know, I don't know, what do you, what, what does that feel like to you? Talk to me about what you're experiencing, you know? And it's, it's like, and it's, 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 uh, um, it's amazing. You get to certain places and things just, I, I, what I say is they click. You know, what I would say to, in answer to your question, Patrick, I think that many of the ideas I had about who I was supposed to be and my values really became revised more than completely replaced. Some of them completely replaced, but I think Mm -hmm. most of them, I would say, fell under a revision. Meaning that, you know, before coming to the program, I accepted all of those things blindly uncritically i never questioned my values i thought that this was who i was supposed to be and how i was how life was supposed to be mm-hmm. and i thought you shared the same values as i did mm-hmm. i mean i just i i was so self-centered and it was a real awakening for me to realize is that first of all i can challenge every value i have like with my dad i think one of the things i've shared with you when he was dying from cancer he suffered in silence and for a long time i thought that was a positive trait Mm -hmm. not imposing your pain on other people and 
and suffering yourself and keeping it contained, I thought that that was a great thing. Mm -hmm. Until later on, I realized that when we do that, when he did that, he deprived me and my siblings, and I think my mom, of an opportunity to deal with this stuff before he died. Yeah. We could have started coping with his death and anticipating it a lot sooner. And I think it would have been much more meaningful to me. I imagine for him as well to have some of these discussions about what it was, what it was meaning for him, what it was meaning for us, and to be able to talk about some of these things. And I think his idea was, I have to protect my family from the pain I'm in and from the suffering that I'm going through. But you can't protect it anyone from that not something like in a family like that that was really naive on his part coming well-intentioned but incredibly naive well that's a great great example of what you're saying about because that really talk about you know ringing the bell when you said that you you felt more you you revised uh, what you know about your value system that's a great example of that because what's what's the what's the value in it well value is 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 loving 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 other people and wanting to protect them okay that's that's going to stay a part of that's just that you know we get that That, and the and the truth is to whatever degree that was what was was going on with your dad you know we're not gonna throw babies out with bathwater here you go you go like okay i got that you know however you know we we, we you know w- one of the things we have in common those of us who are, who, are, who are acknowledged addicts is is we can take anything and, and overdo it that's right you know we so part of it is really balancing things out yeah. and saying okay well i i need you know because because yeah there's that's why that's why when we talk about character defects, I, I love to talk about it like my first sponsor said, he just said, I just call them characteristics. And and every characteristic has an upside and a downside. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I loved when you were I loved when you were saying that on Thursday, you know, mm-hmm. you were you were, yeah, just kind of um, being more specific, I guess, about what a character defect is. Yeah, well, it's like, it's like like you know I know we, I have a, a you know st- what's stubbornness that's a is that that's a character defect my you know I have this reflex rebellion stuff you know what what's what's the other side of that coin well d- determination you know persistence you know there's there are ways to use that that very characteristic in positive you know in helpful ways and and taking care of myself or, or standing up for things I believe in, but I can give lots of examples of when I, where I misused it and just, and just, uh, you know, to you, to what Alan was talking about, you used it more selfishly and just you know, saying, okay, no, I've got to be right. Is it not, usually not a, is it usually a pretty good rule of thumb in emotional sobriety to not, uh, to not ask of another person, whether directly or implicitly, uh, could you please, could you, uh, do this thing or say this thing um, to make me feel better about myself. Hmm. Inflate my ego or my my false self, I guess. Like you know, well, I mean? I, I, I'd be interested in what Alan says. But the, but the first thing I thought about is if I I was imagining sitting in a room with a with a couple and somebody saying that I, I would what I would like about it is rather than trying to maneuver so that that person would say it, they're just asking for it straight ahead. You know, it's like this would feel good to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and could you, could, you know, could you say that to me? And it's like, and what, we're, and hopefully what we're saying with that is, could you say that to me, you know, with a straight face, basically, okay, you say that to me and mean it. And then so that somebody, you know, you'll, and you'll see when, when you're talking to somebody is they'll be, if, if they're uncomfortable with it, then we, okay, we got to talk about that. 
But so, I mean, I like, that's what I like about it. I think what it is, is, is to use Alan's language more than what I've learned from Alan is, is to have the expectation that they're, that, that first of all, that you have to have them say that in order for you to be okay. You don't, you know, uh, but it, that, that doesn't mean it wouldn't feel good. And, uh, but the idea that, but for you, you know, for me anyway, you know, my way, my way of communicating coming from the family I came from was very seldom direct. Yeah. It was, it was always maneuvering. It was always manipulative. You know, I didn't think of it as manipulative, but, but it's like, it was, it was definitely all strategic rather than intimate. Yeah. You see, I think one of the things that we know, well, you know, you know, kind of what we're talking about here is what is the effect of low self-esteem mm -hmm. on our, yeah. on our lives, on our, on, on, on who we are. And it's pretty profound is when you yes. think it. and if you got to understand that you know if, if you haven't been coming to thursday night meeting patrick will put in the show notes the link to that meeting i mean the discussion we've been having on the steps and emotional sobriety and self-esteem authentic self-esteem mm -hmm. has been incredibly revealing and 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 to me um has been incredibly insightful and, and shining the light on on the first of all what happens to you when you're working the steps and the process involved but also understanding self-esteem and understanding emotional sobriety more it's really a, been a phenomenal thing and for those of you that don't come to thursday nights it's really cool it's like that right now we're just in step six so Herb Kagan led off the discussion the first week on step six. He opened it up and kind of provided a, an introduction to the steps and, and or to that step specifically of the 12 steps. And he put it in the context of, of the other steps and the process involved. Then Roger came in, talked to lengths about, um, you know, step six and self-esteem and and identified and you did this wonderful job this last week tom of talking about mm -hmm. step six and tying it into armoring mm -hmm. and how we're armored and that was in that the impact that that has on us mm -hmm. in our life and on this this next week it'll be my job to talk about step six which i'll be talking about how it's really the pivoting towards our best possible self Yes. Um, so it's really been incredible. And we do that every every you know, every four weeks we go through that kind of a an order, which we discovered is really helpful. I mean, it's to me, I've loved what we've done on the last few steps like that. So, you know, when we tie this thing into what we're talking about today, low self-esteem, see, low self-esteem is going to cause a high degree of emotional dependency. Mm -hmm. Because I am, and this we do it unconsciously, I am so dependent on you, your reassurance, your validation, your approval, your attitudes towards me to save me from how I feel about myself, mm -hmm. to rescue me from my low self-esteem. And while there's no question that can be helpful and meaningful, I've never seen a person's low self-esteem being cured by being esteemed by somebody else. 
No, it just doesn't I, work. I don't know. I, I tell you what happens sometimes is, is when you talk about that dependence and I've had, uh, I've, I think I've been this, I definitely have been this, but I've also been in relationships with people down the further down the line of my recovery where, where they, they, there's such a dependence on being validated from the outside that what happens is, is the, the relationship problem that happens is, 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 is the person who's doing the, the reassuring and the, the giving becomes really frustrated and, and, and tired of, of what I used to call to what, with one friend of mine that I was doing that with a lot, just, I'm tired of propping you up all the time, you know, because it does, but because it, it, it doesn't stick. And what you just said, it doesn't fix it. It's, it's, it's a temporary thing. It's like, I'm going to reassure you, but it's like, you're, if you're not internalizing it, if you're not, if you're not doing the work of understanding you're figuring out how you can give it to yourself also, then basically we just keep going through the same cycle and it's, it, it hurts relationships. I just realized on, on the, the, the way we're doing the rotation, Alan, we'll have to, we'll have to share this with, with everybody else is that, that, that we take turns being Gladys Knight and then the other three are the pips. <laughs> I love that. You come this, up with these nutshells all the time. This, this, this week, this week, Alan, Alan Berger is Gladys Knight. <laughs> I just like thinking of, of Herb, Herb Kagan as a pip. <laughs> um, I have confidence, you know, I mean, just with a lot of this stuff, like I take solace in the fact that uh, sobriety gives me some latitude to figure things out room to make mistakes, the kinds of mistakes that aren't going to, if I'm lucky, shatter my life or somebody else's. And um, mm -hmm. the self-esteem part, I still have very low self-esteem, but I, you know, there's kind of like an ember that's, you know, that's been flickering and kind of growing bigger. And um, yeah, I mean, I, nobody's going to give it to me. I'm going to have to figure out how to do it on my own. That's a very broad statement that I think probably is not, is not really true. You know that across the board you have you have very low self esteem. I mean, it, I it 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 doesn't you don't that wouldn't that doesn't depict what I what I've experienced with you when I'm with you. Now the idea that I'm you know I'm struggling and there are some places some parts of me that are still struggling with that and some people some places where you know the self esteem is you know you know at the on the bottom rung maybe. But it's it's like I think sometimes what happens is if we generalize like that, we 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 cease to give a credit where credit is due, and it's yeah. like we need we need you know in order I always say like if I'm walking up a flight of stairs, you know it, it's like okay, and this is a silly analogy I use, but it's like imagine the flight is is 15 steps up, and I want to get to the first flight of of, of the, the first landing of the staircase, yeah. and so I my old self would take a running jump to do a broad jump upward and and try and, and I'd get up to maybe the fifth step and you know fall hurt my knee whatever, but I would look I would stand up look around see that I was not at the landing, and so I would go back down at the bottom and start again. Yeah. Instead of realizing, no, I'm going to work my way up to this. So, so I think, I think you may not be being really fair to yourself when you, when you generalize that. If we were in therapy and you were a client, I would just say, if I'm wrong, you, you just tell me straight out, man. It's like, that's okay. Well, I just, uh, I don't know. I just spend a lot of time in my own head and, um, you know, I, I have the tendency, I think to lose perspective, um, I, you know, I certainly feel like I'm uh, halfway drowning uh, in a lot of my, okay. you know, business and personal and all the different shades of like what I do with my waking life. Um, 
I, I feel a little underwater. Um, and I, I've always tied that to my self-esteem, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's really, um, useful. I think that you said that. So thank you. Well, I also think, by the way, is I don't want to get off on too much of a sidetrack here, but it's like, it's like I also think what you just did is a great example uh, that uh, of of representing yourself uh, well. It's like it, you know, it wasn't just you know, uh, you know, okay, yeah, Tom, okay, you're right about that. I have more self esteem than I thought. You you gave a more detailed ex- account of kind of how you perceive yourself right now, and um, and and if and, and again. You know, is if I'm sitting, in, if we're sitting in therapy. What I'm thinking there is, is I feel like I've gotten to know you at a more, at a more detailed level, at a deeper level, because you told me more about that. So that because because sometimes sometimes people's reassurance can feel uh, invalidating. That's right. If, if, if yeah, if it's not if it's not if you really, really knew me, you wouldn't yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which which you know, it's there's other sides, and of course that what. You know, what we're saying is just a part of what we what we know about the person, but it doesn't invalidate it at all. But it, this is what I'd say, Patrick. You know, what came to mind is if we think for a minute about what parts of us do, do we identify with, right? Mm-hmm. What parts are we identifying with? So if we identify with our authentic self, like Tom said, then there's a lot of freedom involved. Because, you know, the way Virginia Satir says it, you know, um, when it comes to emotions and feelings we have, all feelings are human and therefore all feelings are appropriate. There's nothing that's inappropriate. How we deal with it's another question, but all feelings are an appropriate feeling to have. And therefore, if we're authentic, we can identify them, talk about them. We don't have to act on all of them, those kinds of things. So that's one thing. That's identifying with your authentic self, your true self, if you want to call it that. If you identify with your with your idealized self, then what you're going to be doing is you're going to be presenting yourself as 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 this idealized self to everyone, and you're wanting everyone to accept that self that you think you're supposed to be. If you identify with who you're not, or what we call the despised self then what you're going to be identifying with and talking to everybody about how you're a phony, how you're Mm -hmm. not enough. See, it's so interesting is where does your identification take place? Is what part of you are you identifying yourself as? And what we're saying is there's no, if you're identifying yourself as your false self, well, there's only certain parts that are going to be okay and certain parts that aren't. And if you identify yourself as your despised self, the parts that you're that you're not supposed to have that you have, you're going to hate yourself for. Right. But Alan, you just you just you nailed a piece of another piece right in the middle of that, which is what what is what are you using as the standard of measure yeah, of right. yourself? You know, yeah. because when you said idealized self, I thought about my own life, I go like. If I use this, if I use my idealized self, you know, you, I could have, I could have a, I don't know if it'd be the idealized self, but I could, I could have a vision of, of, of something I want to accomplish and move toward it. It can be a goal. It can do that kind of stuff. But if, but if I'm measuring according to that, then I'm going to come up way short and it's, and it's, it's going to be a way that I, you know, that I just, that I just beat myself back down. 
And it's it's like, you know, one of the things about emotional sobriety that I that I'm getting and I'm learning as we're talking and get learning from from you and some of the what I've read in your books is is uh what we're talking about when we talk about the authentic self is it's it's very to me it's very Buddhist in nature. It's it's yes, like it's, right. it's 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 about it's about um you know, it's about, it's not about, is this good or bad? It's just, it is, it's just acceptance right. of what is it, it's, and it's, we don't feel that's one of the differences that, that I think is very, to, to what, to what you're saying is very freeing is I don't have to classify things are good or bad. Yeah, that's right. It's beautiful. And, and, and then like, when we, when we get to the authentic self, that's what you do. You, you, you're no it. longer, you're no longer interested in proving you're a good guy or that you're not a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You have, I have my intentions about how I live my life. What, what do I, what, you know, what I, how I live my life, what I, what I, how I, what I measure that by, and I'm conscious of, of the standard of measure. It's like, you know, and it's again, again, one of the things when we talk about the, when we first start, what we find is the standard of measure are, are very often other people. Yeah. You know, that's, right. it's, that's exactly, yeah. that's where we're putting our locus of control, mm -hmm. our center of gravity outside of ourselves, right? Absolutely. That's but, you know, but this thing is that when we get to that point where we just accept ourselves as we are, because we're mm -hmm. identifying with our authentic self, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we don't accept that, admit when we're wrong, no. that we don't see that we have flaws, that we don't take responsibility for our behavior. We're constantly being responsible, Right for our behavior it's just a very it's 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 such a different it's, it's so much there's so much more freedom involved right so look what i'm aware of is you have a dog today instead of a cat so what what's <laughs> going is, on Patrick? oh yeah so sorry about this that my mom's got this adorable little dog named penny who uh mm -hmm. you know man you don't don't you ever get that feeling you look at a dog just being a dog and you're like that that seems pretty good you know, I, I, <laughs> that's just, why they say it's a dog's life you know yeah it's like it's a dog's life yeah <laughs> that's beautiful but but alan back what you, what you were saying it's it's um see because and you and i've talked about this uh before too is is when you say you know it, when we're when we're coming from our authentic self and we're living from a place of you know every doing our very best at any given time of just accepting things as they are in this moment um and not trying to change them or wish them different or something like that. And we, but we still, we still notice when we're wrong or recognize we want to do something different. Not only that, but see, this is one of the twists for me that I never saw coming in recovery is, is, and, and uh, I think, I think Rogers talked about this some on, on Thursday night, but it's because it's about humility, but it's, it's the idea that, that, I, I find discovering I'm doing something wrong or I have done something wrong or I've done something in a way that's not as good as it could be. And, and basically making amends for that or going back and acknowledging that now, now is this very talk about a, a source of self-esteem. That's a very powerful source of self-esteem for me. The idea that I can, and the, the freedom is, as I walk into any encounter or anything I'm doing, and I have the freedom to be to be far from perfect because I I also trust myself to acknowledge that if I do something that is that is hurtful or harmful to somebody else, yeah. or if I've if I've let somebody down by not doing as good a job as I could do, I I, I can acknowledge that, and I and I like that part of me. That's not that's not you know the I think the old way of doing it from the idealized self is oh you know i'll know i'm doing better because i'm making fewer mistakes it's yeah. like 
You know, I don't know if that's the case. I think sometimes we make more mistakes because we're taking more risk. Well, you know what I heard once is um, the more that you structure your life in a way so that it obeys your imagination rather than um, the processes of nature, you know, the more that you'll develop this feeling, this kind of exalted feeling or kind of like, basically, it's like the more work that you do to make to make the kind of life yourself to, to exhibit just to yeah exhibit the values um that are in accordance you know with uh yeah just i guess i don't know not living in a night and not living according to idealized self of kind of bringing yourself into alignment like herb's always talking about you know yeah. I, I, I think i'm just deep in the process of doing that and of course sometimes nature is going to have its day you know like we uh we can't always get what we want but um i don't know i i is that is this somewhat paddling in the same direction as you guys as far as like where the work needs to happen? I I think so. Is is I had a I had a text from a from a client last night that that she's and and it was, it was she gave me some information about what's going on, but she, but then she said I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay, now now let's take a look at that question, it's or that statement. It's it's like it's it's like first of all, it's just it's just it's really a, a rhetorical kind of self insult, you know. It's like it's you know I, I'll always say that if I say why am I such an idiot? I mean that I'm usually just insulting myself. But if I take that question literally and turn it into a question with curiosity, I can actually use it. I can say I can say what could I do today to be a little bit less of an idiot. Okay. Now, now I'm not just, I'm moving. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm even assuming my idiocy and I'm going to move through, but you know what, you know, I wrote her back when she said, she said, I don't know what's wrong with me is, is I, I know what's wrong with you. And we'll, I'll explain it to you in the next session. It's like, and it's nothing we haven't already talked about, but we, you know, what's what, what, because what's wrong with her is what's wrong with all of us. It's like, it's not, it's not, you know, that's one of the ways that we hurt ourselves the most is we, we hold ourselves separate as that negative arrogance I've talked about where it's like, like, I'm, you know, I'm worse than everybody else. It's like, no, it's like the yeah. stuff we're talking about today is so universal in terms of, in terms of dependence that comes from low self-esteem. It's like, you know, I mean, you don't have to experience it in great extreme situations. I think, I think human beings are going to experience this. That's right. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's about being human. Yeah. You know, I don't entirely agree with this criticism of therapy. Or obviously I don't entirely agree with it because I'm still very pro-therapy, but um in the room sometimes people will say that like in therapy you're encouraged just to think about yourself all day and that mm. uh, if you're you know if you're if you're thinking about yourself all day, the solution is not going to come from within, it's going to come from without. But I think that you know um but you know, there's a 12, 12 step and very kind of action oriented way. It need not be um, in conflict with you know the uh, the self discovery that happens in therapy. Um, well, the, the real problem with that is that it's 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 denying the fact that we all think about ourselves all the time anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like you know, let's that's get a, out. Room, of that's being said in a room full of alcoholics. I know, I know. <laughs> let's give, give me a break. You know, they're going to criticize it. See, that's a projection, Patrick. That's what we call a projection. Is is criticizing? Yeah. In, in therapy, you're going to think about yourself all the time. Not like me. In my program, I don't think about myself at all. I mean, come on, that's nonsense. Which, I mean, re which reminds me of another story about myself. That's I know. That's. Right. <laughs> 
about how well I'm working the steps, right? That's See, right. That's if, right. If they just well, work but, the steps. Well, but, but here's the, here's where the compassion could come the other way because because I've known so I've heard so many people through the years who will judge AA and and they, they and, and I should say radically misjudge AA as oh AA I, I don't believe it I don't believe in AA which I always think is a weird statement called like 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 you don't believe in Santa Claus. It's like it's like I don't believe in AA. Uh, because it's they just make you make you get to make an excuse you make excuses for yourself there and I and you know one of the, my favorite things and you guys will get there I go like one thing you know about somebody who says you, you you're going to make excuses for yourself in an AA meeting has never been to an AA meeting that's right because 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 i've never been i've been to different aa meetings that were some better than others but i've never been to one where some somebody's gonna gonna fly an excuse out there and that's gonna that's gonna work for them it's no like, the meetings are not are not centered around the topic of how can we best avoid taking responsibility for our right life? right, <laughs> it's, it's, right i've never heard that topic in a meeting <laughs> i mean it's like but i have heard the topic about how do you take more responsibility for yourself and look, if you look at the rigor that we're talking about when we go mm -hmm. through the steps, what's being asked of you is such a rigorous process that promotes 100% radical responsibility for your life. Absolutely. I mean, that's the surprising thing. But I agree with you, Tom. I think that, that sometimes AA gets a bad rap. Mm -hmm. I think good therapy helps people focus on themselves and their relationships with others in the world just like we talked about, that there's mm -hmm. a balance. But, you know, you, they're, they're in good company. James Hillman, one of my favorite authors, he passed mm -hmm. away now a number of years ago. But he wrote a book called We've Had 100 Years of Psychotherapy and the World Keeps Getting Worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was a great book. And his critique was that therapy is too much involved with inward searching. Mm -hmm. That we get people to look in word towards themselves and what's going on but we don't ever reconnect them to the world mm -hmm. and bring what they're learning back into relationship with others right. with their community with their planet um whatever right. you want to talk about it and look i think that a lot of us have heard that call and i think today therapy is much more balanced mm -hmm. and not just looking at people and what's going on with them but looking at who they are in the context of their life and how they're dealing with right. what they're learning and bringing to their relationships in a good way. Yeah, I agree. I think if we look at it just in the course of the, of the span of our careers, our, our time in this, you know, you know, the, the, the I think there was, especially in the eighties, you know, yep. maybe early nineties, it's, it's like there was, uh, there was what I was doing was, you know, I, I became, I became uncomfortable because I realized, I think we're just doing it for its own sake. I think, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you're doing all this work and, and taking care of yourself and, and it, it can, it can to, and lead to, to a new kind of selfishness. But the, the idea would be, and I, I didn't realize that Hillman said that in the book, because it makes, uh, makes, it validates what I was thinking at the time, which is, is we we don't we go to we don't go to therapy just just for ourselves we go to therapy so that we can heal ourselves so that we can become a part of the world again you know we we're, we're right. component parts of of the of the whole yeah. you know how, how you know because so much of what i mean I, I and i bet this is true for you too Alan, so much of what what i what i do with with many of my clients is talking about you know 
how they feel about what they do in the world, what, what, the, what you know, whether it be their jobs or their just time, how they spend their time. And, and so many people are, are off balance with that where they, they don't, they don't actually, they're not actually participating in the world in a way that, that valid, that makes them feel good about themselves. That's right. And so, so sometimes it's about, it's about saying, okay, let's, let's look at different ways for you can make some changes about that. Well, you're the right guys to talk to about this kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, well, well we're, we, we definitely are two of them. <laughs> we're two guys who will talk to you <laughs> well good show you guys until next time change your life change your myth cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with then with glass in hand and children on one knee bring some stories bring your stories back to me it ain't a crime to be a human Never be ashamed to be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me.